Recording from Boulder, Colorado on June 24th, 2017, it's Dr. Zen and the greatest of all sinners. I'm your host, Ray Gustinelli. And sitting across the table from me is Jeffrey Lawrence Weed and the greatest of all sinners who has recently returned from international travel. We're going to get into that a little bit later in the episode, as we will also touch upon Trevor Kalanick's troubles. Neil Gorsuch's elevation and Wonder Woman's box office success. But that's all in due course. Jeff, how are you doing this morning? I am fantastic this morning. Thank you very much. Good to see you again. It's been quite a while since we had a podcast episode, two and a half months or there. Heartbreakingly long for me. We'll explore a little bit of that later. Oh Dr. Zen. Oh it's good to <laughs> see you. Dr. Zen, good morning. It's good to see you, Jeff. So some opening comments as we do. Um, so I started watching, I, I built up the courage to watch Westworld again. Mm-hmm. You, we talked about the fact that I had been broken a bit psychologically and yes. was unable to uh, progress any further because I was scared, I was frightened, and I watched the entire first season. <laughs> and I'm torn mm-hmm. because, um, you know, it, it seems to me that, that Westworld is wonderful and horrible. It's the Frankenstein monster begot of Thanatos and misanthropy. Are you at all troubled by this current of burn the world down, hate mankind. Westworld is Planet of the Apes with robots. Westworld is Avatar with robots, except the robots are great and we suck and we're horrible and we should be killed, actually, actually killed. And then also, uh, if, if that's not enough, uh, is there anything that I should be worried about the, the, the left right now and all the craziness that's going on in the world? So uh, no pressure at all, sum it all up for me. I, I do think we should be worried. I oh. hate to say it, what? Jeff, and I know we're not supposed to talk Nietzsche before lunch. <laughs> we have a standing a rule. rule to I know, yes. I'm breaking yes. the rule, but you know, Nietzsche talked about Rezantamont, he called it, which was master-slave morality, sure. which is an influential force in the creation of identities and moral frameworks and value systems. And we have this identity politics, which has actually taken, I think... Um, this uh, this sense of relativism and you know context free truth or or always contextual truth and it's just like caused it to to devolve into narcissism and nihilism and I think we have a dark time ahead. Jeez, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that way. It's just it's just you know Westworld is really uh, magnifying it. I have nothing more optimistic to offer other oh. than oh. a recommendation for those of you like yourself apparently who weren't that big fans of Westworld uh, apparently to try Humans, which is a British series along similar themes. I can't say that necessarily the humanity comes off any better. We still suck. <laughs> but it is more nuanced. Yeah, kind of humans kind of still suck in some ways. However. Um, but there's a, there's a maybe a little bit of strength of optimism to be found in the fact that in typically British way, the characters are more nuanced. So you find some good robots and bad robots and good humans and bad humans. So... Maybe go there. So I meant that to be a little lighter. I brought us a pretty, that's a pretty dark <laughs> way to start. Instead, we'll talk about how um, I'm a big time defense lawyer. Uh, just oh, oh, enormously our respected. Knows that and understands <laughs> yeah, that. Really yes. big, really big time. Um, uh, but I recently was so sure of my own gifts. Uh, it, over the last few years that I, have, I haven't gone on vacation, I don't do any of that sort of thing in the world. Uh, would sur- surely fall apart and justice would not be done if I uh, took a vacation. My lovely bride, Tommy Lynn, is now working with me at the firm. Fantastic. And so that has actually liberated us with our own calendar. We had a couple of friends within one month invite us to go to Puerto Vallarta and invite us to go to Europe. 
uh, our first time at both. And I left, and shocking, uh, the shocking result is uh, that uh, the world worked quite well without me around. <laughs> and um, and so... The I'm wheels of justice continue to turn, even indeed. without Jeffrey Lawrence Whedon's shoulder to the wheel. Slinging justice, yes, it worked just fine without me. Um, but I, I discovered a couple of things in my trips abroad that I want to share with you. Mm-hmm. And, and one of them is those one of those moments that are so far out of the norm, technology-wise, mm-hmm. so far out of what you expect and what you've seen and what you even know to raise the hackles on your neck, to actually tickle your reptile brain wow. to seem like a form of magic. Mm-hmm. And a, a little bit of this, not quite to this extent, but was driving a Tesla for the first time because mm-hmm. it drove so much faster and it was so much smoother and there were no noise. It just... It just turned the idea of a car up on its head. Mm -hmm. It did. It's the Google Translate app. And I I Mm. exuberantly showed you a little bit of that this morning. You did. Blown away. It's so amazing. And the idea is that real time, um, you you, you hold it up to a menu or a street sign or um, or a legal document, and uh, and it will translate uh, from whatever language you want into another language, into the whatever the the context language is into the language you want. It was stunning, and I can't wait to you guys for try it out. It was enormously valuable. Uh, wow. Yeah. I'm I'm waiting for the app where you can hold it up to somebody's face, and it'll tell you what they're thinking. Google reveal. I'm, yes. I'm waiting for the app. You can hold it up to a legal document and it will translate it into regular English from legal <laughs> gibberish. No, you're going to need me to do that. <laughs> okay, you no, still no, have no, a job no, after no, that. No, you you, you do understand. not want to be dis- disintermediated by Google the way everybody else Oh, is. I just think okay. it's a bad idea. Uh, I mean, that'd be yeah, fun. Yeah, I just yeah. think it's probably immoral. Um, and so, Westworld, uh, indeed. I was told... <laughs> I was, I was, he was just dissing the robots a little yeah, while ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, according to a doctor who was not terribly interested in helping me out a lot in Berlin, when I was admitted as a hospital, in, in the hospital. I was bitten over 15 times by a poisonous insect in Amsterdam. Wow. Oh, man. And not one, you, you, you'd you asked me, what, were your, what was your question? Did, did, did it make me, the insect make me high or then? No, yes. it didn't. It just made me get my 15 bug bites lanced by some angry teenager <laughs> doctor in Berlin. Ah, it was what terrible. A, what a lame Dutch bug. <laughs> in, in, I, I tried to get into what is known by some as the uh, the greatest club in the world called Bergane. Um, we beforehand we show up. There's a door. Mm-hmm. It swings open. There's pumping music coming out of wow. it. We go up. Hopefully wow. they see us slam the door. Now this was in Berlin, by this the way. Is this in was Berlin. in Berlin. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's no one there. It's supposedly the greatest club in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, we kind of stumble around a little bit and start to see all of these these kids. Um, these beautiful Berliners, uh, they're all super young, they're all dressed in black, and they're all there to get into the club too. Mm. Well, somehow some unheard chime goes off, <laughs> and everyone <laughs> runs, hundreds of people, and, and literally we saw no one there minutes ago, hundreds of people run, we're near the front of the line, and there's this, uh, there's this stunningly over-steroided man, along with this completely pierced chubby dude, and they are rejecting person after person is coming. <laughs> there are these four model pretty, lovely, young, again, all in black, kids in front of us, all four girls. 
all rejected. Uh-oh. Bad sign for the not good for me. 40-something guy. I, I have a lovely wife. She yeah. might have got in if she was alone. But I think Tommy would have got in, with, but not for standing by your did side. did not get alone with me. And so I hope that they are all uh, cursed with having a uh, an offensive smell that exudes from them for the rest of their lives. It sounds like they would deserve it. Um, another thing, saw La La Land on the plane on the way back, which, mm-hmm. by the way, what did people do on planes for cross-country trips before movies? It it makes it so much easier they to ride smoked. a plane. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I could do that too, I guess. Um, innocent, lovely, wonderful, and to all the cynical critics of its beauty and soul... They should have their brains scrambled in their heads with a long metal forceps, Tutankhamen style. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, stop it. I want to get to this. I can't do this anymore. It's been two and a half months. You wouldn't do the podcast. It's ridiculous. I want to know your intentions, Augustinelli Brothers. Am I just your podcast booty call? <laughs> you are not our podcast booty call. You, we, we've both been very busy with new jobs uh-huh. recently, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, we've been we've been trying to get this scheduled in. And you know what it was? Well, a week it worked for me. It didn't work for him. We are just the, we are all the victim okay. of circumstance and the turning of the cosmic wheel. Doctor Zen, I I saw La La Land. My response was <laughs> meh. I probably suspected that you wanted to scramble my brain, uh, and I was a little scared. The okay. sense that anger, okay. yeah. I was going to say. common style? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the, nice deflection, Dr. Zen. Uh, <laughs> the too busy. No, he was, you know, you had a thought about La La Land. Well, I actually liked La La Land, and I, I my thought is that I think it's, Remarkable how one's appreciation of movies is really geared to a large extent on the expectations you go into it with. And Paul uh, was very underwhelmed by La La Land, as we've just ascertained. And I was knew that going in, and I actually quite enjoyed it. I'm not even a fan of musicals, and I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was very charming, just like you did. I really got it. Uh, likewise, just on the flip side, same year, you know, Moonlight won the Oscar. I was totally underwhelmed and unimpressed by that movie, and Paul loved it. So, yeah. yeah. And you told me that before yeah. I saw it, and I loved yeah. it. Yeah. So, I think there's some sort of lesson there. I don't know. That's we, it? We, we have some topics to get to. I really want your guys, not that we weren't covering some stuff, but uh, hey, I want, I, want your, I want your guys' opinion on a, uh, on a few things. One of which is this uh, stuff that's been happening with uh, Uber and Trevor Kalanick. Uh, this week he was ousted. Um, tell me, guys, do you think he will return jobs-like in later mm-hmm. years, or is this bro cooked? Paul? Well, Travis Kalanick. Oh, what did I say, uh, Trevor? Yes, yeah. Sorry, uh, a, a classy, Sorry Trav. <laughs> a classy and honorable CEO. Yeah. Not. But I believe, once again, perhaps... A trendsetter. I think he's about to start a new company called Air CEO, Ooh. in which out-of-work tech executives can make some extra money in the gig economy oh, by leasing themselves out on an hourly basis to companies that are looking for once charismatic figureheads to sit on a stage somewhere while employees do the real work. Once he learns that he's not going to be able to make nothing but chump change and pocket change to wander around San Francisco with, he's going to actually get a real job. Do penance by becoming a San Francisco cab driver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the karmic wheel turns. Uh, I do not see uh, Kalanick, as I call him, Kalanick. Uh, the oh, tr- nice. as the truly innovative and p- 
positively idiosyncratic leader as Job's. I think um, uh, Kalanick was a, a, a spectacular first mover, um, and I'm not sure that they're much more than that. I, I'm, I think that uh, the same can in some ways be said for a Bezos or, or, or Zuckerberg at Amazon and Facebook, except, uh, I guess, without the dumpster fire and sexual harassment that happened in their company. Now, is he responsible for all that? I don't know, but when you're at the helm, uh, when it happens on your watch, oftentimes you have to pay that price. Now, a couple of interesting differences between him and Job's is that, um, you know, Lyft has uh, broken the 20% barrier regarding the, the uh, uh, rides to be taken. Market share, uh, essentially. Exactly. Or, yeah, and, mm-hmm. and yet Uber has about 80%. So yeah. they're in such a position of power, whereas Apple was playing catch up in a lot of ways at that point in time. And then also, um, there was this, uh, it will, uh, oh, here's a, a couple of big differences. Um, uh, Kalanick has uh, a seat on the board mm-hmm. of directors yeah, that's true. and the majority of the stock. Yeah. And so, you know, um, is uh, oh, do you see him uh, brought back after another Scully-like power PC Apple Newton failure at Apple? Or is there a, a, another chance for this guy? I don't know. Jeff, I love how you've turned Steve Jobs into an Old Testament figure here. <laughs> no, Steve Jobs. Steve, Steve Jobs. Jobs. Steve Jobs. The Book of Jobs. That's right. <laughs> Slipping that in so there. Something archetypal of him <laughs> about both of them. Right. Maybe, maybe Colonic too. Um, I have a haiku. Oh, about, about wow. him. Excellent. Ready? Yes. Boy needed a ride. Unicorn needed a man. Rides over, Travis. Ooh. Very nice. Oh, All right, snaps. Beautiful. Snap five seven around. five on the syllables too. I made it. Well, you, I should have said what Have you no, been doing non five, five seven five haiku? You know, so there might have been well, a few extra. I've been assuming perhaps we shouldn't. We've had some haiku in air quotes in the past. Maybe they didn't qualify. <laughs> <laughs> but you get credit for that one. That was very nice. Thank you. Hey. Let's talk SCOTUS. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Conversation killer if there ever was one. <laughs> Neil Gorsuch, a local Boulder uh, judge, has been elevated to the highest judgeship, the Supreme Court of the United States. He is the very small breed of conservative Boulder residents. He's a local guy. And I would like to get your guys' opinion on um, how he's going to turn out. And what would Judge Scalia say? He's being a replacement for Scalia. Particularly interested in your opinion, Jeff, as a constitutional scholar and a defense <laughs> lawyer yourself. I, I'm always kind of charmed by the Boulder-centric stuff we do in our podcast. And one of the fun things about even recording here is that we don't have a studio or that sort of thing. We're recording in Ray Gustinelli's kitchen. We are. And, uh, and there's this glorious window where there's crazy... Uh, squirrels playing and and running around. We we hopefully will hear that throughout the entire show. I'm sure we will. As far as uh, as as a, a very idiosyncratic uh, squirrel in in Boulder, as far as a, a conservative, I think Judge Justice Gorsuch will make us all proud, gentlemen. And uh, he's a terrific addition to the court, but I, I just I'm bothered. I think he's a terrible first nominee for Trump. He's brilliant. He's fair. He's conservative, and he's overtly conservative. He, in my opinion, became an unfair and unwitting middle finger from Trump to the world at a time when um, you know we could have offered up a qualified candidate that wouldn't have been such a challenge and possibly divisive pick. 
Um, and and the, another great thing about Gorsuch is that he's already shown the ability to kind of stand up to him regarding the criticism of the judiciary and that sort of thing, which I thought was great while he was being nominated. And he will not think twice about upholding the Constitution about Trump or anyone. So I like that. You know, the Democrats on this one kind of reap the whirlwind of their past tactical horse crap regarding nominees, but someday the worm will turn Republicans, and now the firewalls have been torn down. Conservatives will regret using the nuclear option. Scalia would say about that kind of silliness that it was pure applesauce and <laughs> jiggery pokery. <laughs> yes. You thought Kagan and Sotomayor were nightmares for conservatives. You've seen nothing yet, but Gorsuch will be great. And to paraphrase Scalia in a way that's going to be terrifying to many people, quote, in the Trump presidency, the first SCOTUS nominee is kind of like the first pancake. If not perfect, that's okay. There are a lot more coming along. Mm. Uh, I've met Scalia, shook his hand. I was an admirer of my favorite Scalia quote. I think it's a profound view of the Supreme Court and our amazing, awesome republic. He said, persuade your fellow citizens it's a good idea and pass a law. That's what democracy is all about. It's not about nine superannuated judges who have been there too long imposing demands on society. Mm. <laughs> so a big fan of judicial restraint and you see Gorsuch not necessarily... Um, Going against that. Yeah, yeah. Gorsuch yeah. isn't going to feel all the yeah. feels, <laughs> right. and he's yeah. not going to overturn uh, cases based upon gotcha. his feels. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Hmm. And probably, yeah, probably with you, Paul, what's your take, if you have one? In our hometown of uh, New Haven, Connecticut, there's, sure. a, there's a cave in West Haven State Park okay. called Judge's Cave. Huh. And it goes back to an actual historical event where these three judges who were part of post-Protestant Reformation England, mm. they actually decided to kill the previous king, Charles I. And, and they ended up killing Charles I. When the, when the royalty was, the monarchy was restored 20 years later in 1660, Charles II was the son of Charles I. He went after the judges who had decided to kill his father. These three judges fled from Great Britain to the New World, to Connecticut, and they actually hid in this cave, living out of this cave for several weeks as the new king's men tracked them down across the ages. They lived there for a while, then they escaped, and they lived happily thereafter. Oh. I remember the story uh, quite well. Uh, in fact, I've smoked a joint judge's cave at one point. Uh, <laughs> not, sure, not sure. But uh, is this a coded threat to Judge Gorsuch or other judges? I'm trying to interpret this parable. Silence. Just silence maybe, from Dr. Zen. Well, we, we shouldn't be surprised to hear silence from a guy called Dr. Zen. No, no. But, is but it, is an allegory of the cave An stuff? allegory what of the was, cave? We must, I'm going to put this out to our listeners. Uh, uh, what, Try to help us unpack he, that. He, exactly. We must move on. <laughs> maybe, maybe we need we a superhero to help. We do need a superhero. How can a superhero not help? That's what they're here. They're here to help. And Wonder Woman is here to rock the box office in this summer of 2017. Um, I think everybody maybe by now knows that uh, directed by a woman rocking all sorts of records and in many people's minds doing things that previous superhero movies have not done. But I would like to know, is, is, is part of its success, I mean, is this really kind of the movie of the year sort of thing? Or is there some aspect where there's a politically correct uh, overpraise of this movie coming from the movie because it is so sort of female centric? Um, give me your, your view, your review, if you have seen it. 
Um, what do you mm-hmm. think, Paul? I did see it. Really liked it. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Not a big fan of superhero movies, so I mm-hmm. this was even more gratifying to like see this, which I really liked. Got a quick haiku for you. Mm-hmm. More superheroes. Another wounded man boy. This woman kicks ass. Nice. nice. Really like the movie. Five. Just five, a, a, a little bit on the thematic resonances that I think they did, and a female director did a really good job bringing out. The, the the male superheroes are you know and they are kind of these wounded man boys who like bring their weaknesses to bear to defend themselves and they're always throwing things at people and <laughs> shooting ray beams and blasting people and there's none of that with 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 Wonder Woman no projectile weaponry it's defense with her bracelets and it's the circular lasso of truth that she wraps around people womb like <laughs> and then sends some kind of electrical current through in order to torture them into you know telling the truth or or whatnot but no great a tiny of little bit of torture. <laughs> female archetypal energetic themes the first 20 minutes of the movie are great it takes mm-hmm. place on the island where she grows up with all with all these women robin wright plays a great character as her mentor and and uh, uh master of uh battle 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 master mm-hmm. really great stuff I, I loved i loved it i loved it jeff so um gal gadot and uh i had i had to watch a very helpful youtube video on how to pronounce her name so i hope i did it justice I'm a huge fan. I'm not just, I, I love comics. I like superhero movies. Um, I love Wonder Woman. I love Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. But I love Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, <laughs> who brings this really cool uh, femininity and yet power. And she's sexy, but not overtly sexual. It's just, she's romantic and, and fun and powerful. And, and she's a pacifist. I mean, Wonder Woman is not trying to fight. She will, and she'll kick your ass. But she's, you know, she's trying to get at other truths, other ways to work with the world. I think it's fantastic. I, I have not yet seen Wonder Woman. And really excited about seeing it with my grown daughter um, and son, who's uh, the daughter's a great feminist. The son is a huge comics geek like me. Um, I I think she stole the movie in Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. Now I know it wasn't that great a movie, but I just thought she leapt off the screen every time she was there. Everything she said, the way she moved, the way she looked, she was stunning. And I think she carries that from what I've seen with the trailer and the talk about the movie. And I can't wait to see it. Um, it does it? You know, it, I don't think it does diminish diminish the uh, dumpster fire of past female temp posted films like Catwoman and Elektra. But I think it gives us hope. Um, I'm the first and the loudest to decry what I see as political correctness or media overpraise, but I believe that Wonder Woman and Gal Gadot are for real. Wow. Well, I'm going to hop on the bandwagon, too. I am also not a fan of superhero movies. Um, They just don't have a lot to offer me. And I think that those in the genre that are considered the higher end of the genre or different in some ways, the X-Men series to some extent with Hugh Jackman, the Deadpool from a year or two ago with this sort of kind of off color take on it. I consider it to be sort of evolutionary, but still very much in the thread and not something that rocks my world. Wonder Woman has a chance to be revolutionary. It's really doing something different in a good way and sort of making it relevant to societal themes um, in the way bringing out sort of the female angle in a good way. So I'm a fan and I'm, I'm look and I think it's uh, deserved praise. Jeff, do you have some closing thoughts? I know that you were really hoping I did, and, and I do, thankfully, Thank for all God. of those, some closing <laughs> thoughts. First of all, clean up a little uh, um, Dr. Zen, the greatest of all sinners, 
uh, business. Um, ask Dr. Zen, yeah. uh, where uh, listeners write in and ask us something that's near and dear to their heart. Real listeners, people. These are, these are people, real issues. Yep. Um, Diane Isis uh, from City of Poughkeepsie, New York, writes, uh, I think that the Agostinelli brothers may be the smartest brothers in the world. And I agree with you, Diane. Mm -hmm. Um, is that, and that's sweet, right? Mm -hmm. But I asked Jeffrey Lawrence Weed and the greatest of all sinners, are you guys perhaps the smartest brothers in history? The smartest twins in history? I'm going to say no, and I hope not. <laughs> I'm going to say that with great intelligence comes great tragedy sometimes, because we can look back to somebody like Romulus and Remus, who were very smart twins who founded Rome. But they also turned out to be uh, fratricidal because one of them killed the other, as my brother has pointed out to me very recently <laughs> in a different context. Romulus so. killed Remus. That's why it's not called Re Remus. Right. It's called Rome. Rome. Yeah. He's on Romulus. So uh, I think there's been a lot of smart twins in the past, who were the uh, twins who were the the uh, Facebook also rans the uh, whatever those oh, guys? The, uh, the, uh, right. Right. Yeah. So there were also know, the Jacobson yeah. twins in our high school who became Olympic level synchronized swimmers. Yeah. Wow. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, smart there. But thanks for the question, Diane. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, thank you. And, and a little, uh, I think, darker than Diane wanted to go on that. But thank you guys. Um, uh, loving not loving, another regular feature that we do yeah. um, uh -huh. is, uh, and so uh, me, JLW, I'm loving what we do in the shadows. A faux uh, vampire yeah. documentary. Uh -huh. Well, let's be clear. The documentary is fake, but the vampires are real. Of course. Um, from the makers of Flight of the Concords, very clever, very funny. Uh, a slight spoiler alert. Some of the very funniest stuff. Uh, Jermaine's power to turn himself into any animal, but it still has his face. Uh, to hitting of the hitting of the major artery, uh, uh, you'll know it when you see it. Very mm -hmm. very funny show. Mm -hmm. Love that. Uh, love the Oasis uh, supersonic documentary. What uh, about you guys? Very good. I thank you for the shout out on what we do in the shadows. I actually watched the first ten minutes of it and liked it, but didn't quite get into it. So now you've given me another try on it, which I will give. Loving right now, I don't know if this is bandwagon jumping or not, but I'm going to say I've gone back to the first original season of Twin Peaks mm. with a new one coming out. A lot of people may be doing this. I was hesitant. I actually did watch the original, but I fell off the bandwagon after the first season. I kind of lost interest in it. I was one of those, as many other people went on to do. And I was a little, okay, am I, is this going to be dated? Is it going to be weird? Is it going to be worthwhile going back to? I'm happy to say, after getting through the first, very first pilot, episode, which I found to be lurid and a little bit too violent, actually, for my tastes, um, getting into the subsequent first season in a remarkable uh, mood that Lynch was able to create there that I think hasn't been seen before or since. Mm. The surreality, the blending of genres in terms of detective genre, soap mm. opera, comedy, uh, woo-woo kind of speculative fiction all melded together with a, an amazing soundtrack by Angela Badalamenti, mm. which like for every little sub-theme, it has its own musical motif. It's an incredible work of art. I, I've just been enraptured with it. I'm now in the original second season, halfway through that, and starting to see some of the shagginess that I think is what caused a lot of people to leave it, but I am looking forward to getting into the new material mm -hmm. and seeing how that is. How about you guys? Well, I'm getting 
I'm going to pick up, and I think I'll just do my loving, not loving in the form of a not loving, loving, and suggest that we pick up Twin Peaks in more depth in our next podcast. But because partly what I'm going to say is I'm going to have to put the new Twin Peaks on my not loving list oh, right oh. now. I have been, uh, been trying to get into the bubble and having a hard time with it. Um, but I think there's a lot to explore there. So I'm going to say... Uh, for next uh, podcast, we're going to dive into that in more detail. Um, it, right now, it's on the, the new series is, is not necessarily on my uh, – it, it's kind of on my not loving list. But I will say on my loving list is, is something that's been on my Netflix uh, queue for quite a while, as was the Vampire uh, Shadows one, which I haven't yet watched, but I will. But it's one called Patriot. Have you guys heard about this? It's no. a very kind of off-kilter uh, sort of semi-comic – a spy thriller about an individual guy who's sort of recruited into these missions overseas by his father, who's high up in the CIA, and he's sort of secretly a folk singer <laughs> who talks about all of the secret things he's doing. Is sort of set in uh, Luxembourg and Iran and DC and stuff like this. So a bit of a charmer, <laughs> and it's really off kilter. It's one of these that. Uh, so I, I, I will, yeah. especially if you recommend it. Although it did sound like yeah. the world's worst pitch. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how this thing ever got greenlighted. I really do not. I do not. That would have been a tough one. <laughs> I did, and I probably did not give it the justice of the elevator pitch. But, but uh, and I love, kind of loving it. I kind of love and love to hate Twin Peaks. I'm yeah. a big Lynch fan, but also kind of you know I love. I love the weird, but you worry about, I've heard you say weirdness for weirdness sake or mm -hmm. weird for weirdness sake. There's a lot of that. And yeah. the shagginess, it's a yeah. great way to put it. And uh, and so it'll be, maybe we'll revisit this Let's at some point in yeah. time. Um, a new, uh, maybe this is a new one. It doesn't quite fit in loving, uh, not loving. It's more like uh, obsessing and keeping me up at night. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and for me, it's cryptocurrencies, virtual currencies like mm -hmm. Bitcoin and Ethereum, Litecoin, and Ripple mm -hmm. and such. Mm -hmm. um, kept me up at last night, actually, because mm -hmm. there was a, a flash crash in Ethereum where it went from essentially $380, $380 to $0.10 cents, uh, back to near $380 in, in a matter of seconds, which is one of the reasons why people are either loving or not loving uh, cryptocurrencies and that sort of thing. I want to introduce the Greatest of All Sinners Contrary Index, which means when I say I'm uh, bullish about something um, in, in, in an economic sense, you should immediately sell, sell, sell. And uh, I am uh, really excited about cryptocurrencies right now. One of my other major <laughs> uh, ways to measure um, contrariness right now is cranes. Uh, building cranes ah, and uh, not and sand hill cranes. Drive into no drive into Denver <laughs> in Denver and cranes are like dandelions on a midsummer lawn. I always mm -hmm. see that as the beginning of the end. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the fact that I'm so uh, bullish on digital currencies is certainly a sign of the economic apocalypse. And the fact that Tommy and I are dreaming and thinking of a vacation home in Puerto Vallarta, certainly bad times are ahead. Uh, I have been right uh, slash wrong before. <laughs> people. <laughs> And uh, you have, I remember just a few months ago, actually, you uh, you, you uh, talked to me about uh, 
virtual currencies. I, I don't remember the context, but I, I well, vaguely remember you sort of bringing yeah. it to my attention. Well, funny you mention that, Ray, because I <laughs> talked to you about us you, getting excited and doing yeah, some Yeah, you were trying to get me excited about oh, it. and yeah. maybe it was February 27th because maybe. I actually wrote down oh, uh, what happened between February 27th <laughs> and now. Oh, no. Litecoin, <laughs> $4 to $44. Uh-huh. Ethereum, uh-huh. 15 to $380. Oh. Bitcoin, $1,200 to $2,600. Road not taken. <laughs> well, I, maybe now's the time. Maybe now is the time to jump in. Like you said, you could be picking a winner or you could be picking a loser. Uh, four goes to 44. Could go to 440 next. So we don't know. But the roulette wheel turns on all that. There's an increasing number of these virtual currencies out there. I think there will be winners and losers to some extent. You know, you didn't mention the DAO, which was one that, you know, had a hacker steal it to the tune of $50 million. And it was one that was seen to have enormous promise in the in the same time that Ether and Ethereum were, were up and coming over the recent months. But it has since, you know, sort of had a plateaued a little bit because of the, the theft and it's a slightly different model around of, uh, you know, virtual contracts and stuff like that. So uh, my advice to us is uh, let's get in. Let's choose wisely. Um, let's be uh, somewhat cautious and prudent uh, before we uh, throw too much of our life savings uh, into the virtual currency game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Jeffrey Lawrence Whedon, uh, Kiss of Death, yes. RPX Ripple. Okay, mm. that's the way to go. Let's you're, do you're, Ripple. You're bullish on it. Kiss so. of Death. Right. So avoid right. it all costs. Dead, dead, well, dead. at some point we may change our podcast to be more like the uh, the that money guy who is he, the guy who uh, spouts the... the uh, Crazy money or something like that. Who spouts top stock tips? I think that he was last year's news. Okay, last year's news. All right. Well, it's been great as always. A long time coming, but we'll get back on the horse. We'll try to do the James Kramer. That's the guy. Yeah. We will get uh, back on schedule. Hopefully, within at least two weeks, we'll get back on and, and have another podcast for all you listeners out there. Thank you for listening, and thank you guys. For your time this morning in my lovely kitchen with my squirrels in the background. <laughs> yeah, Love good, you guys. Thank you. you. We'll see good you soon. You. I'm going to hold the microphone up to the window to get our outro to be these squirrels.